Well, Bob, we're a little out of our element right now. We are recording an episode of Crossed Up, the 72nd episode of Crossed Up, and the Phillies won. (laughs) This is a rarity for us, Bob. Not only did they win, they won a game against the first place Atlanta Braves, led by a dominant pitching performance by Aaron Nola, and for the first time in a few weeks, we have something to smile about with our baseball team. And they did it in two hours and 48 minutes, and we're recording this prior to 11 p.m. Now, we'll yes. get to our midnight threshold, I'm sure, but it's early. They won. I actually don't even really know what to do. Yeah, we have nothing to talk about. I okay, have to th- put the anger away for a little bit. Yeah, you know? th- thanks for listening in, <laughs> yeah. folks. We'll see you next week. Yeah. No, <laughs> he's Bob Wankel. I'm Anthony Sanfilippo. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Crossed Up, uh, brought to you this week by Amerigas. You know, hey, summer is well underway. You know what that means? It's grilling season. This week, 4th of July, there's going to be cookouts coming. You're going to go to one or you're going to be hosting one. Well, now's the time to get that fresh tank of propane to get you through your parties. Problem is, the last thing you want to worry about is dragging your empty propane tank to your local supplier and drop 20 to 30 bucks on a full tank, right? Well, don't worry. You won't ever have to take a tank for an exchange ever again. And you certainly won't have to pay that much money. Because our friends at Amerigas have rolled out their new propane home delivery service. That's right. It's called Cinch. C-Y-N-C-H, Cinch, in order to make your propane purchase so much easier. Cinch will deliver a new propane tank to your front door and haul away the empty tank. Now, give it a try today. Head over to their website and enter the Crossing Broad promo code, It's Lit 5 that's I-T-S-L-I-T-5, to get your first propane delivery for just $10. That's right. Leave an empty propane tank outside, and they'll exchange it with a new tank delivered to your home for just $10. So... Be sure to do that in time for the 4th of July this week and any other um, barbecues that you might be having later this summer. So that, that's, our, uh, that's our new sponsor here on Crossing Broad. Uh, not, not on Crossing Broad. They've been around on Crossing Broad for a while, but a new sponsor here uh, on Crossed Up. Uh, a couple of friends have actually used the Cinch service, by the way, and uh, oh, yeah? they like it. They say it's, it's pretty solid. They come, they do it. It's like nice and quick and easy and as advertised. So That's great. How about that? Paying some bills here at the start of Crossed Up tonight. So let's get into it. A uh, little bit of a – I mean, when was the last time we talked? We, let, we talked last Monday night, right? They were yeah, coming but, off the Marlin sweep and uh, – Yeah, you were, still were, a, you were still a bachelor. Yeah, I, I wasn't married yet. The Phillies uh, <laughs> hadn't swept the Mets in a four-game series uh, a bamboo plant. We didn't know anything about the bamboo power at that point uh, from Brad Miller. It feels like there's been – I feel like we haven't talked in about a month. You know, I mean, it really does feel that way, and it's yeah. only been eight days. But uh, kind of a, a good rebound for the Phillies after getting swept by the Marlins. They, they go out, obviously, and they, they sweep the Mets in a couple really dramatic, fun wins last week. And then they go down to Miami again over the weekend. They lose two out of three. They do rebound with a 13-run performance on Sunday – Setting up what really is a do-or-die series this week with the Atlanta Braves. And coming into tonight's game, if the Phillies have any design of winning this series, they really had to win tonight's game. You have your best guy on the mound. He's been a red-hot pitcher lately. Came into tonight, um, last 15 innings, a one-earned run, 20 strikeouts, only two walks, seven hits. I mean, he had been phenomenal entering tonight, Aaron Nola. Uh, and it really just carried right into this performance. They needed this from him tonight, and boy, did he deliver. This may be the best start that we've ever seen from him. Yeah, I mean, he uh, set a career high in pitches thrown, and I'm, and it was – I was getting a little nervous. i got to be honest with you, Bob. After seven, I'm like, are they going to pull him because he's at 100 pitches? He was at 100 pitches after seven innings, and I was getting a little worried that they were going to pull him. But you know, to Gabe's credit – he left him in the game for the eighth inning, and he was just as good in the eighth inning as he was in the first. And Nola's, Nola's stuff was sensational, and he was mixing up his pitches so perfectly. I, I, I think you probably have the pitch counts available. I do. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess. I'm going to guess. And I, you know, Obviously, you throw more fastballs than anything else, uh, but I'm going to guess that it was probably, you know, um, let's say 44% fastballs, uh, 30 one percent uh curveballs and then 26 percent change-ups yeah you're actually uh right in the neighborhood there uh almost dead on so he threw 57 fastballs 38 curveballs and 22 change-ups out of his 117 pitches 
Uh, he generated 14 swinging strikes, 25 called strikes. He, I mean, he was outstanding tonight. The Braves yeah. one through four hitters were combined one for 13 with five strikeouts. Um, and you just look at his last three starts now, what he's done against Miami, what he did against the Mets, and then what he did tonight. 23 total innings pitched, 11 hits, one earned run, 28 strikeouts, and six walks. He's lowered his ERA. He had a, a poor start against the Braves at SunTrust Park in mid-June. And in the following three starts, he's lowered his ERA from 4.89 to 3.89. So a full run has come off that ERA over his last three starts. He's been simply fantastic. And like we said, you know, has he had better games? I, I don't know, maybe. I mean, you could maybe make an argument that he was better in the Mets game on Thursday afternoon. But when you consider the magnitude of this game and how important it was to the Phillies season, uh, it's, it's really hard to say that there's been a better performance from him. This I think it's it's interesting, right? So you look at this series, and you're talking about a three-game series leading into the 4th of July. There's still, you know, there'll be 75 games left after this series is over. So you don't want to say that this is a do-or-die series, but it really does feel that way. And one of the things that I wrote about earlier today was if you look at the different uh, projection models, like Fangrass, Baseball Prospectus, uh, 538, the Braves are starting to run away from this, you know, run away from the pack. And really, it's the Nationals now, according to these projection models, that are going to finish in second place. So the Phillies are sort of letting this thing slip away after 11 and 16 June. They've got to get going right now. And so this was just a, a critically important game for them tonight and a good start to this series. It absolutely was. And uh, it's great to see. You know, we saw f- glimpses of last season's Aaron Nola earlier this year, but he would have it for like uh, one start or even not even one start sometimes. Sometimes it would be for four or five innings and then things would go, yeah, go bad. Yeah, it would for come him. and go. Yeah. Right? So it, it was the fact that he's able to put, that he's been able to put three of them together in a row. And yeah, okay, it, you could sit there and say one was the Marlins, but the Phillies struggled against the Marlins. One was the Mets. Um, and then now Atlanta. So it's it's gotten better in, in, with each start, and this Atlanta lineup is no joke. We know that's what was only the second time this year they've been shut out. Um, so it, it, this is a really good team that Aaron Nola had guessing all night long. I mean, even in the into the eighth inning, and this is this is what frustrates me because I, I can I'm convinced that if you have a, if you let your pitchers and you have a good pitchers and you let them go longer. They can get these outs. It's not a problem the third time through the order, fourth time through the order, nonsense. Um, he, you saw that strikeout of Freddie Freeman in the eighth inning. That pitch was so good, so good. It was it left him left him knees buckled. And we're talking about one of the best hitters in baseball in Freddie Freeman. Um, so, I mean, Nola was Nola's the, the, the difference. He's the story. Yeah, Jay Bruce had the big double uh, that drove in two runs earlier in the game, and, and that's where the only runs were scored. Um, and there's some good stuff to talk about Hector Naris as well, but this the, the Phillies needed him to be an ace, and he was. And, that's, and it's not and like he was a, an ace in a, a ten nothing win. You know, the Phillies no. didn't do much tonight. They were only one for five with runners in scoring position. They only had seven left on base. They never really had a tongue going. Now I guess it was the I want to say the sixth inning they had uh, Dallas Keuchel a little bit on the ropes. In that particular inning, I believe they had second and third with one out. Bruce rolled over to first base. Uh, and then I think Cesar Hernandez flew out to end the inning. They don't score there, and it kind of felt like, oh, man, you know, is this going to come back to haunt them? And he just made sure that it didn't happen. He goes out, he gives them a clean sixth, seventh, and eighth. And like you said, credit to Gabe Kapler for letting him roll back out there in the eighth inning. I think there were times earlier in Gabe's managerial career where, you know, Aaron Nola probably wasn't going to be standing on the mound in the eighth inning. It would have been Tommy Hunter or Juan Nicasio or Adam Morgan or, you know, someone else. Yeah, and, and you know he had Tommy Morgan warm, or Tommy Morgan, Tommy yeah. Honor uh, warm um, at, at that point, and uh, ready to come in. And I, I got kind of got the sense that if if Nola uh, and the first batter Nola faced in the eighth inning was Acuna, and Acuna worked the count three two, and I'm sitting there saying to myself, if he walks him, he's taking Nola out. He's going to go to Tommy Hunter. Um, but Nola got him, got him with it. He struck him out for the third time. Struck Acuna out three times tonight. Um, and then uh, got a lazy fly, a pop fly out of uh, Swanson and then struck out uh, Freeman with that beautiful pitch on the inside corner. 
Um, he's, he was. I don't know. I don't know what, how many more superlatives we can come up for Aaron Nola for what he's meant to the to the Phillies in his last few starts. He's got what is it now, Bob? Uh, Seventeen consecutive innings scoreless. That's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty so. impressive. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's yeah. I know the all time record is like what fifty nine and a third or fifty eight and a third, or whatever. But <laughs> not quite there yet. <laughs> you know, we're not. Quite, we're not quite into that yeah. conversation. But even still, I I can't tell you you know how many pitchers go through seventeen consecutive innings, especially starters. Um, even now, I mean, I, it just doesn't happen anymore. That you don't have those kind of that kind of dominance in in baseball. So for Noel to do that, I think that's that's really really impressive and bodes well. Smart move by the Phillies. I'll give them this credit too. They readjusted their rotation to get Nola two starts prior to the All Star break, which I didn't think they were going to do. I thought they were going to just wait till after the All Star break to kind of re- put things in order, but they realized, you know what, he's pitching so well, we need him to get two starts here before the break. So and this begs it. the question: is is he back? Like, do you now look at? Aaron Nolan say, okay, he's on the mound today. We're going to win this game. Or I know at the very least that he's going to give us six, seven really quality innings and, and feel good about it. Or are you still in the let's wait and see mode? You know, he had 13, 14 underwhelming starts. I'm not quite there yet. No, I, I, think, I, I think he's back to, you know, I, it's going to be hard to really duplicate the entirety of last season. At any at any point, I mean, it was that good of a season for Aaron Nola. His his numbers last year were so so good. I mean, third in the Cy Young race, um, and deservedly so. I mean, the other two guys were ahead of him, Degrom and and Scherzer. Um, and so to to constantly put that those kind of seasons together year after year after year is difficult to do. So there's, you knew there was going to be a little bit of regression. I, I thought it was a, a little too much <laughs> regression, obviously for the first dozen starts of the season um but you know when you see the way he's pitching now and you have a start like this it's one thing again like i said it's one thing to have it against a weaker lineup and say okay well that's good you know you're supposed to do that against those teams but can you can you dominate against a really good team and to do it against the braves makes me think that yeah aaron Noll is probably back to where we need him to be maybe not to last season's level but where the phillies need him to be at this point yeah, I agree with you. Um, it really, uh, it, just a, an impressive win, and they've struggled with left-handed pitchers, uh, left-handed starters specifically on the road this season. Uh, one of the things that I came across today, they're 6-2 and two at home against lefties this season. But when they go on the road, they're 3-9 and nine entering tonight's game against left-handed starting pitchers. Yeah. They've really struggled with them over the first three months of the season. They get Dallas Keuchel tonight, who has been – Okay, you know he hadn't gone six innings in either of his first two starts. Uh, he he goes seven tonight, gives up two earned runs. He was good tonight, but I'm just not I'm not that impressed with him. I, and I I look at what he's done now through three starts, and uh, I, I believe he's at seventeen and two thirds innings pitched, and he's only allowed twenty one hits, like you know about a hit an inning, whatever. Um, the, the walks only five walks, that's decent. I look at it though, and he's only got eight strikeouts in seventeen and two thirds, and opponents are hitting two ninety six against him so far. When I watched him pitch tonight, I said to myself, and and this was one of the storylines that wasn't really front and center, and the Phillies broadcast isn't going to make mention of this too much, but obviously there was a lot of talk about acquiring Dallas Keuchel and this team's need for a starting pitcher. This would have been a terrible loss, not only because it was the Braves and because Aaron Nola was on the mound, but to lose to Dallas Keuchel tonight after you punted on him with these gaping holes in your starting rotation. Oh my God. You know, that would have been insufferable to listen to. Yeah, no, you're right. And so it was nice to beat him, though he did pitch well. I think that what we saw from him tonight is exactly why I don't really want the Phillies, or I didn't want the Phillies to have him. There's a lot of contact. Guys hit the ball fairly hard against him. A lot of a lot of pool contact specifically. I don't know that I, I love the combination of Mike Alfranco, Gene Segura on the left side of the infield defensively to, to play all of those ground balls to the left side. Uh, and I certainly don't love Jay Bruce running around in left field in terms of the ground that he covers. I know he's been a serviceable defender here so far, but we had talked about that not being a great fit for the Phillies. And, and though he was effective tonight, I don't know that – I don't know that moving forward it would have been the right mix for them. No. I, I'm kind of sticking to that. No, and you're right. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, he he's a soft tossing lefty at this point. In, in all honesty, I mean, he might throw harder than that, but he really his his 
pitches play like a soft tossing lefty, which which means that you need good defense behind you and you need to locate. And I'm not certain that he's the kind of guy that could do that consistently enough to you know be successful for the Phillies. So no, you're right. Uh, if there's, and I'm gonna I'm gonna temper myself here about because I don't want to come I don't want to come off as negative. I don't because this was a don't good win. Don't you do it? I don't want to come. Don't off as you negative. do it? But the 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 one thing that I sit back and look at and say, well, I watched the guy pitch and he pitched an okay game this Phillies lineup needs to hit him and they didn't and and that concerns me still um I mean yeah they had a nice they had a nice breakout on Sunday against the Marlins they actually put up they actually have been hitting the ball well I shouldn't say not just Sunday they've been hitting the ball well since the Mets series right so they, they finally started to hit a little bit but now you go up against a a okay pitcher and suddenly oh we can't hit again and maybe Strangely it's just one enough. night maybe it's just one night I, yes, it is just one night, but you go back to the, the Jason Vargas game last week, and he's a guy that they really struggle with. I think that was last Wednesday night. Yeah. Because they ended up winning in the walk-off. That was the Jay Bruce game on Wednesday night, I believe. Uh, he he just totally stymied them for, for uh, six innings, and then thankfully Mickey, Mickey Calloway, for, for whatever reason, goes away from him, I think, after 77 pitches. Because he's and, a bad manager. <laughs> yeah, because he's because he's a horrendous manager, and it's the New York Mets, and bad things happen in the Mets. Uh, it just sort of – I mean, I don't know. If I were an opposing team, I'd say, do we have a soft-tossing lefty we can throw out there against the Phillies? And that's two times now in the last week where, you know, they really did struggle with a, a pitcher like that or, or that profiles yeah. that way. Well, they're, I, well because they're, they are – so the Phillies are selectively aggressive. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, and I think that that's why a pitcher who is not a power pitcher has success against the Phillies. Because while they may be selective and, and take a lot of pitches and force a pitcher to throw a lot of strikes, um, or a lot of ball, a lot of pitches in general, they are overly aggressive when they do swing, when they do choose to swing. And so, therefore, if you're not not throwing 95 and you know and putting them on the, over the plate. You can you can have some success against the Phillies because they're going to end up swinging at either bad pitches or they're going to be out in front of a pitch that's a little bit slower. So I mean that that's the one thing that I think is their is their kryptonite. So if you have a, a pitcher on your staff who doesn't necessarily throw hard but can locate, they might have success against the Phillies. So here we are after this game, four and a half games out of first place. The Phillies are five and two against the Braves this season. Oh, by the way. Um, where are you at right now? I, like, I, I think we have to kind of check in. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a question worth asking. I mean, it's one game. Uh, there's two more left in this series. By the way, I know that the Mets are, are just a complete mess right now, but they do have to deal with Jacob deGrom on Friday night and Noah Syndergaard on Saturday night. They have a, a very tough stretch over these final five games heading into the All-Star break. They need to finish strong. I know we spent a little bit of time talking about this last week. Are you at the point where you're like, hell yeah, you know what? They can they can jump back into this thing, or, or are you still more where you were after, or after that Marlins series, where I believe that the, the conversation was it's over. You know, the division thing is over. Yeah, I still think I still think it's going to be too hard to come back and win the division. I, I don't see them sweeping the Braves. I think that the Braves are going to at least get one, if not the next two. Right? I mean, I think it's probably if. A toss-up at this point if they go, you know, one and two or two and one. They uh, they have to. Uh, I mean, straight up, they have to get tomorrow. I mean, that's that's going to be the game. I think that decides the series. Frankly, it's going to be Nick Pavetta. You never know what you're going to get with Nick Pavetta at this point versus Bryce Wilson, who's only making his third start of the season. Philly saw him earlier, I believe, in the opening series, and, he, uh, they did and then really he, well against him. Yeah, and they hit him up pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and then he pitched against the Cubs. Uh, last week and got batted around a little bit as well. Uh, so he has not been particularly good this season in very limited action. Uh, so this is the opportunity. The door is open here for the Phillies to win this series tomorrow night. And then, you know, you take your chances on the 4th of July. It's Zach Eflin versus Mike Soroka, who's been just phenomenal uh, for the Braves. He's 9-1 with a 2-1-3 ERA this yeah. season. So that's going to be a really difficult game for them in that third one. So if they want to win this series, it's got to be tomorrow night. Uh, I think, and and we'll see what happens here. But it, like you said, it's going to be an uphill battle to grab these two games. Yeah, it is. And so, so I mean, you know, I I still look at it, and 
and then you got Washington right after the uh, All Star break, and you see how well they're playing right now. This is this is this stretches to me goes beyond just this weekend. Um, I, I think that there's, you know, can can they find can they find enough to to kind of hang in there? Yeah, of course. I mean, they're not. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they're going to tank and be in you know a 78 win team by any stretch of the imagination. I still think that they're better than 500 but at the same time i'm not sure that they're as they're able to sustain whatever they do i there's been no indication to me for a while now i mean early in the season we had it but for at least two months there's been either inconsistent up and down or bad stretches for the phillies and when you have it that that long go that long bob i don't think that you suddenly figure it out and and go the complete opposite direction. I think you can have stretches, you know, f- handful of games where you're pretty good, but then you tend to slip back again. It's like, I, I, come check back with me tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let, yeah. Me, let me see hope. how they how I feel tomorrow. I, it, it, that, that's what this team does to you. They get you. They get you feeling different each day, almost. Yeah, I mean, um, they had reached at one point uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, or a few weeks ago now. I believe they were eleven or twelve games over five hundred. That was the high water mark, and then they sank all the way to one game below or uh, one game above five hundred. But they've rebounded now. They've won uh, six of their last eight, and they sit five games over 500 at 45 and 40 so I will say as ugly as that stretch was the wheels could have completely fallen off I mean they could have had the week that the Mets had you know the the Phillies could have easily lost those games last week they were in contested baseball games in I believe three of the four so it's like a situation where you say people are talking about firing the manager getting rid of the GM all hell's breaking loose this team's overrated they stink and then they sort of stabilize. It was an impressive week against the Mets. I know that the Marlins series was a little bit frustrating, especially the game on Saturday, blowing the 6-1 to lead. You see the bullpen. The bullpen was really good against the Mets. It was a disaster against the Marlins. It just, there is no consistency to your point. And so, yeah, it, it is a little bit of a roller coaster ride with these guys. But to their credit, the thing didn't completely go south on them. They have stabilized a little bit. They are hanging around. And that's what we talked about a couple weeks ago. The Phillies need to get to the deadline within striking distance of Atlanta to kind of assess their options and say, like, is it worth trying to add on to this product in a meaningful way because we feel like we can make a run at the division? And this thing had a chance to, to just go completely, like I said, off the edge where they could be eight, nine, ten games back right now, and they are, to their credit, hanging around. Yeah. And, you know, as underwhelming more- as that, that is. I did want to address one thing, um, with, based off of what you, know, what you were just saying. Um, that was kind of from last week, but it was after we recorded. So Matt Clentak, you know, finally spoke to the media. I guess it was last Monday, um, kind of talking about the state of the team and et cetera, et cetera. And and I think it's interesting that you talk about getting to the deadline, because I have a feeling. I, I just have a feeling. I don't know anything, but I just have a feeling that they're not going to be as active this year as they were last year. I still think they might do one something, like one, maybe one piece here or one piece there. But I don't think that they're going to be adding five, six guys like they did you know, over at the deadline and into August last year. Obviously, they can't do it in August this year because that, that no longer happens. But um, I, I think that when Clintac comes out and says, these 25 guys – when they they if they can play at the way we think they can play, we know that they'll be good enough to compete. And the fact that you sit there and say these twenty five guys, it makes me think we're not making anything. We're not making the the moves that you think we're going to make. And I think I worry that it's because they might not have what people what people want. Um, I don't think that the, I think that there's a little bit the the shine has come off the prospects in the Phillies organization. Just a little bit. There's only a couple that are, you know, that they re- that people really like, and I don't think the Phillies are going to move Alec Baum or uh, or Adonis Medina at this point. Um, and beyond that, I, I don't know. I don't well, know I think there's is, a couple is. things at play here. He was right, yeah. and he did. He took a little bit of criticism for saying this, but I agree with the premise that. The Phillies' best chance at improving and making a run is is from within. They need the guys that they acquire, the JT Real Mutos, to, to 
to go off. They need Bryce Harper to really heat up. They need him to heat up at the same time as Reese Hoskins. They need Gene Segura to be a 300 hitter, not a 275 hitter. That's what that's what's got to happen. You know, yeah. now can they fill in and improve the bench? Yes, and I expect them to do that. Can they maybe find a relief arm that that's better than what they have right now? Yes. And I kind of want to wait to to talk about the the ability to trade for a starting pitcher because I I threw out a tweet asking for questions and the vast majority of the questions is how can the Phillies add to the rotation and who may they target and I have some thoughts on that I don't know if you do as well but I kind of want to wait to get to that but there are two things at play number one yeah I, I do think that the Phillies minor league system doesn't have a lot of shine on it right now Alec Bohm's a stud. I mean, he's been lighting it up. And, and Mickey Moniak has had a nice resurgence here this season, and I think that there's been some positive things happening with him. I think that there's a reason to believe that Adam Hazley can be a quality major league hitter. But, again, they may need him this season. Uh, Mike Alfranco is as great of a week as he had against the Mets, and we've seen this with him repeatedly now. I don't think that he is the long-term solution at third base. I don't think the Phillies believe that he's the long-term solution at third base, and that may end very soon. I mean, he's, he's cooled off again here in recent games. I still think the Phillies would like to play Scott Kingery at third base, and, and so that kind of would reopen the spot for Adam Hazley. So that being said, there are not a ton of options here for the Phillies, you know, in terms of what they can trade. That being said, it's not really a, it's not really a, a, a seller's market, frankly, uh, I mean, it's it's not really a buyer's market. I mean, you you look at this, and the Yankees, the Rays, the Red Sox, like those three teams in the AL East, they're not selling, right? Uh, the, these teams are all in playoff contention. The Twins, Indians, and White Sox, like they're all kind of hovering around. Like you know, the White Sox are three games under five hundred. They don't appear to be a seller. Now you have what the Tigers and Royals in the AL Central, so you're up to maybe four or five teams there. The AL West, everybody but the Mariners is kind of in it. The NL Central, every team in the NL Central is in it. Do you want anything from the Marlins or Mets at this point? I mean, would the Mets make a trade with the Phillies? So you go through and there's like 10 to 11 teams maybe that would be considered sellers as of right now. So you combine the fact that they don't have a ton of prospects and there really just aren't that many teams that are out of playoff contention. And it's going to be really hard for the Phillies to make meaningful upgrades. I agree, I agree with you, and, and that's the thing. And that's why I think that it's going to be different than last year. I just think it's going to be different. I just think that the Phillies are going to, they're going to go with what they have, and they're going to ride or die with this team. Um, like, I think and, they'll make two trades. If you said, like, what's the over-under, I would say two trades. Yeah, I think and that's I, fair. I think one will be for a starting pitcher that will – probably underwhelm the fan base and i think that one will will probably be for if i had to guess a, a bench type of bat i think that those are the two places that the phillies will try to go yeah. um but they're not going to go out i i would be stunned if they brought in an a-level talent at the trade deadline so no, no i don't think um, they but like i said we can talk about who that may specifically be in a little bit um before we get there if I would have asked you in the beginning of the season how many All-Stars the Phillies would have on their roster, uh, how many would you have said? Three. <laughs> three? And they would well, have been I mean, who? Well, I mean, I'll, the reason I'll, and I say three, and I, I answered that as quickly as I did, because only because nobody really gets more than that anymore. Yeah. you got to be like, you know, you've got to be dominating the league and get the fans loving your, your team, whatever, to get more than three at this point. So if I had to pick the three at the beginning of the season, I probably would have said... Nola, I guess, I guess Harper and um, Real Muto. Okay, probably. I mean, and, if and I had maybe like so a Hoskins, a, Hoskins, a fringe guy. I mean, yeah. you just look at what the first baseman in the National League have done this season, and it's yeah, it's hard to make the argument that he's been better than those guys. But man, he's had a Hoskins has had a very solid season. Yeah. I, do you think JT Romuto is an all-star? I mean, like, no. he is in the National League and because of what catching is right now, but, God, it just doesn't feel like he's having an all-star season. The, the defense has been really good. The, the base running has been good. He's, he's done some nice things on the base pass, I guess. But I, I, thought, I think the expectation was really that he was going to come in here, he was going to play in a hitter-friendly park, and the numbers were really going to bump. I kind of expected, like, 
280, 290, 16, 17 homers by now. I, I don't know. Like I, I didn't think he was going to be a 35 home run guy, I guess. I, I shouldn't say 16, 17, but I guess I expected like 25 to 30 home runs maybe, uh, 280 to 300 batting average, like an OPS in the mid-8s. And he hasn't really been that yet, and maybe no. that's coming. But he just, I, I respect his game. I think he's a good player. I, I want him here, but I've been like a little bit underwhelmed. He's left me wanting more. Yeah, he's not. He's not been as 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 good as as I would have hoped as well. Um, uh, yeah, I mean they're they're all underwhelming me, Bob. <laughs> There's nobody who I'm sitting there going, yeah, that's what I expected. I mean, other than maybe Hoskins. I mean, Hoskins is kind of on par with yeah, what I expected. And he had a nice game tonight. I think he had a yeah. hit in two walks. But, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. And Real Muto uh, obviously had a big double. He lined one off the uh, right field fence. And I just look at it, though, and, and Bryce Harper 0 for 4 tonight. Just, like, come on, man. Like, it's the Braves. This is a monster game. Like, show up. Where would this team be? At this point, without, without Jay, Jay Bruce, Bruce, yeah, <laughs> twenty-two RBI and seriously, games. yeah, he's he's won them <clears throat> offensively at least. He's won them what four games, yeah, five four games, four or five games already. Yeah, since he's been here, and that's a lot. That's a yeah. lot of games to for one player to be the difference maker offensively. Yeah, and essentially five weeks, you know, four or five weeks <laughs> yes. of, of of action. Yeah, so. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's really him and, and Hoskins are really the only two guys who have been reliable during this whole stretch. Yeah, and we don't need to have a Gabe Kapler debate, though. You know, I'm always up for one, but it, it kind of it points to, and I think it sort of illustrates what what I had previously said. You just look at this roster and you go, they have one guy make the All Star team, and even the even the player that did it, you were like, eh, you know, like eh, he's, he's yeah. all right. Yeah. So I just it, it's a and that's where I, I go back to Matt Clentak and I say, yeah, I mean, he is he's absolutely correct in saying that it's got to come from within. It's going to be the bulk of the men on the this current 25 man roster. That's where this is going to have to happen, because I don't think that there's going to be that that key acquisition, big name acquisition that exists out there. So, no, no, I, I agree. I agree. You know, you know who uh, I wanted to touch on from the game tonight. Really, kind of interesting. Uh, Hector Neris had a really nice ninth inning. Um, basically, striking out. He not basically. He did strike out the side, um, but he did it in a different way. Bob, one of the big criticisms about Neris um, prior to today had been that he relies very heavily on his split-fingered fastball, maybe too heavily on it, um, and tonight. He had a nice balance between the splitter and a, a straight four seamer um, that he was, you know, humping up there in ninety five, ninety six. And I think that the the three batters that he faced in the ninth inning, um, which were I know it was Marcakis and Riley, who led off that inning. Um, Donaldson. Donaldson. Yeah. Josh Donaldson. Yeah. Um, Donaldson, Marcakis, Riley. Um, I think all three of them. We're kind of just expecting split after split after split, and and Hector threw a bunch of fastballs that kind of threw them a little bit, and and he struck them all out on fa- there was I think all three strikeout pitches were fastballs. Um, that's what that's what the Phillies need him to do. He's got to be able to throw that that fastball as a sec even as a second pitch. Uh, it, it's got to be something that he can throw half the time. He can't just go up there and throw twenty pitches and throw eighteen splitters. You can't do that. That the other team's going to sit on them and they're going to drive them out of the ballpark and beat you with them. So I, that I thought was also another nice positive result from tonight's game, and hopefully we see that moving forward from Hector. Yeah, it looked like there was a little bit more jump on the fastball tonight. Uh, I would say that more so than anything, where where he's gotten hurt in the past is when he throws that pitch. He's had a hard time consistently locating the fastball, and a lot of times it's fat, and that's where he runs into trouble. But that did not happen. Uh, in this game, he, some really quality fastballs, and out of the 15 pitches he threw, uh, eight were fastballs, seven were splitters. So, like you said, he did kind of mix it in. He did keep the Braves a little bit off balance with it, um, and it's. I, I think it's one of those things that's really encouraging because it wasn't just this specific game. Now this kind of gives the Braves and other teams' opponents something to think about. It's not just, okay, well, we can sit, split, split, split. Now he's making a, a conscious effort to mix the fastball in and feature it more 
you have to be on that now, which in turn then makes the splitter more effective. So that was very encouraging. It's the, the big step for him now, and we see this. He puts together three, four quality outings in a row, and then, and then what happens, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely right. You're absolutely so, right. I mean, we'll, we'll see. But, yeah, again, that's very encouraging. It's actually funny kind of going through this. I don't want to bitch and moan too much about the Marlins series, though I, losing two out of three to them in Miami after being swept at home by what's supposed to be an inferior opponent is, is absolutely infuriating. But they, they have this great win tonight. So I'm in, I feel like we're in this in-between, right? Like not everything is all well with the Phillies, but – They've won six of their last eight games. They had a big win tonight. You don't want to be overly critical, but there's not a ton to really feel awesome about either. You know, so it's like it's it's a strange. It's like a strange night to be talking about them right now. It is. It is, and it, it's funny because I I have a feeling that um, you know next week we'll we could we could well be in two completely different places. We could either be ecstatic because they f- they figured it out, rebounded, and they're playing great hockey going into the break. Hockey? Oh no, you did it! <laughs> Baseball. Oh. I, you know, it was you know. I only said <laughs> hockey. I only said hockey because I I got to be honest. I have tweet deck up because um, I'm reading some of the questions that we're getting uh, on uh, on Twitter. And one of the things that came across my timeline was a hockey comment, literally <laughs> as I was speaking. Um, right. But but it's all, but uh, playing much better baseball. Or they are going to, you know, go back and lose the next two to the Braves, maybe, you know, lose two out of three to the Mets, and we're going to be miserable next week. I, I don't think there's an in-between. I think it's either going to be one or the other. Yeah. Um, I, I really do. I think it's either going to be they've figured it out and have a great run into the break, or they fall back into some bad habits and, holy hell, this is, you know, it's going to be you know, gloom and doom uh, next week when we talk again. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I I agree. I do agree with that. I just I just kind of started like looking down the line and said, please don't let that be the case. But uh, we'll see. I guess we'll see. Um, let's. I guess let's just get to the questions. I mean, do you have anything else you want to hit on before we do this? No. I mean, I mean, I just want to just add on. I mean, like you mentioned earlier, just a reminder. I mean, after tomorrow, the next three games that they're going to face is going to be Mike Soroka, Jacob Degrom, and Noah Syndergaard. <laughs> that's that's a challenge. For any for anybody, you know, in in Major League Baseball, let alone you know this Phillies lineup that is hit or miss sometimes. Yeah, uh, I mean it's 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 going to be a daunting task. So we'll we'll see. I, I don't know, yeah. man. All right, go ahead. Get to the question. All right, yeah. Let's. Uh, and don't let's go with do Russ's this. question. Russ asking about the chicken tenders in the press box. That's yeah. He's they're, dope. They're fine. They're good. <laughs> All right. So we uh we got one from Josh uh, Levy Triplet One. Okay, and he asks. Is Nick Williams coming back in the majors with the Phils, or will he be part of a trade uh, for a pitcher? So Nick Williams has had a miserable uh, time with the Phillies in his different stints this season. And he wasn't great when he first got to Lehigh Valley, but he's been red hot lately. Uh, Over his last 10 games, he's 18 for his last 41, three homers, seven RBIs, only three walks. But, uh, He's been racking up some hits, and so now, so far this season in AAA, uh, 15 games, 61 at-bats, he's hitting 410 uh, with a 1.151 OPS. So he's been swinging a hot bat for them lately. It's a great question. To me, I don't think that the Phillies love Nick Williams. I think it's apparent that they they don't value his skill set. Uh, they like guys that are a little bit more selective, that can draw walks. He doesn't do that. He has struggled uh, this season. I don't think that Nick Williams plays for Lehigh Valley for the remainder of the year. I will say that. I'm pretty confident in saying that. He'll either be back up with this team or he's going to be traded. Frankly, I I believe that if they do make a trade, I I think that he may be involved with it. Um, Though you would say, well, if he's swinging that type of bat, like couldn't they use him in a platoon situation or couldn't they use him off the bench? And, And yes... And he showed the potential to do that in 2018, but he's been just—he was so bad at it at the beginning of the season. And you factor in—I I just feel like there's this little bit of a, an attitude from Nick Williams towards the Phillies, and uh, this is purely speculation on my part, but just what I've sort of read, and I—you I, know—other people that I've talked to have kind of shared similar sentiments. And Nick Williams, I think, isn't really thrilled with with how the Phillies have utilized him over the last two years. 
Yeah, I, I think you're right. And and uh, the other thing I'll add is that there's really no place for him because now you know he doesn't play center field. Yeah, so, and that's uh, that's the biggest thing. And and there, he can't platoon with with um, Bruce because they're both left-handed. So and you know, and Harper's not getting any days off. And where where does he fit? And he's not even. I mean, Brad Miller is now your left-handed pinch hitter on the bench. So where where yeah, does Nick so, Williams I mean, exactly fit? That's like it's barring injury. Essentially, when I talk about platoon possibility. I mean, it's got to be either something happens to Bruce, or you know, like you said, a guy like Miller goes down. He fills in that role. I, I just don't see it, though. I, I really don't. I would say this though, Bob. With him playing as well as he is in AAA, if you're going to trade him, trade him now. Yeah. Like, don't wait. Like, you know, don't don't hope somebody sits there and says, oh, well, we'll take a chance on him down the road when he's, you know, back to struggling again. I mean, you know, you could hope that he keeps hitting 400 in, in AAA. I mean, but the reality is is he's, he's too good for AAA and probably not much more than a bench player at the major league level. So you, you know. gotta wonder. I mean, he's had he's had almost 800 career at bats, and he has a 7.46 OPS, and he's only 25 years old. To me, there's there's a team out there that will gladly take a shot on him, and maybe they look at what he's done now over the last three weeks with Lehigh Valley, and they say, okay, like we'll roll the dice, we'll give you a guy, you know, a relief type pitcher somewhere that's either high in our system. Or a fringe, you know, someone that's on the back end, back end of our roster that you might be able to use as a as a reliever or pinch hitting type that just isn't working out for us. Like it's got to be one of those change of scenery type of deals both ways. I think. Yeah, or or you know what, if you want to make a small bench upgrade or small um, bullpen upgrade uh, with maybe a player who's got a little bit of term left on their contract, isn't necessarily just going to be a free agent at the end of the season and someone you can look at and say, yeah, you know, he'd, he'd be beneficial to this organization and this roster for, you know, two, three years. Then maybe that's, that's a kind of a trade where you give up a Nick Williams as opposed to a up-and-coming prospect. And I wouldn't be necessarily opposed to that if yeah. it was that. I mean, I wouldn't give up – I wouldn't trade Nick Williams straight up for a rental. I think that that's selling him too short. Um, really? I do. I really? Do. For, for a rental – I mean, what's this? I mean, you basically just said it. What's his future here? Well, it's not. But, it, but the, the fact is, is I do think he's got a little bit. He's he is got he is a major league talent. So to just say, well, we're going to give you give you a player who should be able to play in the major leagues, just so I can rent somebody for for two months. Mm. That that bothers me a little bit more. I, I'd uh, rather okay. I'd rather you get again. You can give up a marginal. You know, single A prospect for the rental. I mean, we saw it last year. You can, you don't necessarily have to overpay for rental players. You might this year, you well, know, and that's the only thing. Yeah, and, and we'll see. And I understand. And we'll see how no, we'll see how things develop over the next three weeks. I mean, we right. talked about it. 10, 11 teams right now look like sellers. By the time we get to July thirty first, maybe that number turns to seventeen, eighteen. Who knows? But right now, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, and you're right. I mean, you're going to have to pay more because there's no waiver trade deadline anymore. Yeah. You know, anymore. So, um, a little bit more urgency this year. Yeah, a little bit. But I mean, even still, I mean, I, I, I just, I still think that the price for a rental player is going to be relatively the same. If if it goes up a little bit, it goes up a little bit, but not a lot. I think that you'll see if there's a player that has term left, then you'll see a better, better name going out. Yeah. Um, so that that's the only thing. I that's I just can't see it unless it's a unless it's a big name player who is going to come in and be a huge difference maker. I mean, if we're talking, I mean, we haven't even gotten to the pitchers yet. But if you're talking like a Bumgarner type type pitcher, right, with a big name, then yeah, you could do that. Yeah, you can make Nick Williams part of that package. But I think if you're talking a bench person or a relief pitcher who is coming in here just for the rest of the season. Nick Williams is worth more than that. Okay, I'm on board with that. That's 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 fine. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So here we go. Bob Sharp says, uh, and and a couple guys I think have similar questions here. Assuming they stay in the playoff hunt this month, who is a realistic option or upgrade they can bring in for the rotation without giving up what little depth in the system they already have? So. I think we kind of touched on this earlier, but I I kind of also. 
before we get into names, I'll say this. If they're sitting six, seven games out in the division and we're talking about possibly being a fringe wildcard contender, I really don't expect them to be very aggressive at all. If they can kind of sniff their way back into this thing, maybe they'll be a little bit more aggressive, but they're still going to be limited in what they can do because of the assets they have. Um, and I don't know that, that the ownership really wants to, to push the luxury tax threshold or go over any barriers with with how this current team is performed. And listening to Matt Klentak, it doesn't sound like they are going to get too wild. Does that perfectly does, – does that recap kind of where we're at before yep. we get into this? Yeah. So that said, I mean, you look at the you look at the market, and there's obviously the bigger names like Marcus Stroman. Um, we've heard a lot about Madison Bumgarner. There's been some speculation about Trevor Bauer, which I think is an intriguing name, but I just don't see. I don't see the Indians with where they're at right now. They're sitting in contention behind the Twins in the AL Central. They're eight out, but they they are within striking distance of a wild card. If the Indians fall out of contention in the next couple of weeks or they feel like they can't make a realistic run at the playoffs, Trevor Bauer, I think, is a guy that would become available at that point. He's a little bit of a – he's a strange guy. Um, not not everyone around the game loves him. I don't know how much that's going to hurt his value, but on a market like this one, I, I would suspect it won't be too much. Uh, so I think he would be tough to get, and I think that he might be a little bit too rich for the Phillies' blood in the event he does become available. So you start looking around at the teams that, that are really struggling, and it, it kind of takes me to Baltimore, uh, a team that I think will be motivated to unload uh, where they can. And ugh, this is a name that I kind of just go, ugh. But uh, one that I think will be available, one that I think will be moved, and it, uh, it, Andrew Kashner. Uh, yeah, I know. He's, he's 32 years old. Uh, he's been very, very average this season. Uh, he's set to make $10 million, so he is under control in 2020. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, quite frankly. But he's a guy that I would fully expect to be moved. The only thing that I can really say on behalf of Andrew Kashner is that there's a little bit of a track record and there's a little bit more experience you know, I, I don't know. I, I th- because I don't think that the Phillies are part of the Zach Granke market, if that's a thing. I mean, they could go after maybe a guy like Mike Leak. They've done a lot of deals with Seattle, um, it, you know, in the, the past calendar year. They've been very active with the Mariners. There's a good relationship there. Mike Leak is a guy that, again, he's on the wrong side of 30, but he's been around. He's been okay this season. If that does anything for you, I think the Mike Miner stuff is going to sail on them. Uh, he's been really good this season. I don't, I don't foresee Texas even really wanting to sell at this point. Um, and as good as he's been, I don't say it. Maybe Tanner Roark, you know, that's a name out there. Do you get into the Matt Boyd conversation? I mean, what are you going to give up? Because to me, I think that if they – if, if you're going to go Matt Boyd, that's that's a clear upgrade. That's one guy that would definitely be a difference maker on this team. But do you want to trade Alec Bohm because they're going to ask for him? Do you want to trade Adonis Medina because they're probably going to ask for him? So that's the decision that you would have to make. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe. Um, I wouldn't – I probably wouldn't trade – I probably wouldn't trade Bohm. I'm not sure they would be interested in Medina. I think they would want a position player that's ready to come into the majors or that, you know, that has some major league experience that they could that they could kind of build around. I don't know. You know, like maybe they're interested I'm in like a sure. Luis Garcia or maybe they're Mickey Moniak. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, you just don't know how different organizations are going to value certain guys, but – Here's the thing with with Boyd, and he's he's the type of player that you know it's going to be a little bit more costly, so it goes back to what I was saying a moment ago. I'm not going out and getting him unless unless I feel like I really have a shot to do it this year. Otherwise, I'm going to wait. Okay. You know, I I just don't I don't want to trade. I don't want to deplete this system any further. Unless I have a, a good feeling that I'm I'm going to make a run, I, I guess that's the best way for me to answer that. And that's a fair way to answer it. Um, it really is. I guess that. I mean, when he's, I was, he's arbitration eligible through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, until what? Twenty twenty two. Probably. I mean, so 
I mean, I just I feel like the the cost for him is going to be astronomical. I'm, I don't see like I I don't know. Could the Phillies maybe put something together that includes ready you know ready made and MLB players plus a pro- prospect or two that's not the top prospects? I don't know. Okay, so know. so I'll. I'll, like, we'll I'll play, play with that then. So, like, how about uh, Adam Easley, Spencer Howard, and uh, Luis Garcia? Are you doing that? Um, yeah, I like Spencer Howard, but I would do it for Hazley Garcia and maybe like Eniel De Los Santos. Oh boy, yeah. That's... Or 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 like, what if you throw in? Just here's you know, the thing, man. Like, what I... if you throw? What if you throw in Nick Williams in this deal? Or what if you throw in? Here's one. I'll give you an idea. How on this? How about this? What if you give up Cesar Hernandez in the deal? Because you can move Kingery to second base and play, you know, Hazley in center field or whoever in center field. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm just saying. I'm just. I'm just giving you like the, the the concept of you can trade players who are you know aren't huge to the or, to the organization. Right I will now, say can this: be major league players, not, plus not a, a couple lot. of second tier prospects. Yeah, not a lot's gone right for the Detroit Tigers this season, but man, Matt Boyd's season has because you go back and you look at his like he's got a little bit of a name. There was some buzz around him when he first came up with Toronto. You look at his numbers though, like you go back and look at 2017, 527 ERA, uh, 2018, 439 ERA. Like this year, he, he's been really good. 3.72. The the WHIP is is under 1.1. He's, his strikeouts per nine is way up. They jumped from 7.3 in 2017 to 8.4 last season to 11.4 this year. I mean, three more strikeouts per nine innings than he had a year ago. So he has been he's been excellent. Maybe he's just finally realizing his potential as a 28-year-old, if, if you want to look at it that way. But I, have, I would have serious concerns about trading multiple, you know, and when I say multiple, at least two top five, six prospects in my system plus another major league piece for a guy that's really not done it consistently at the major league level. I mean, that's a – you're taking a shot there on him. Yeah. So – you are. But, again, Matt Boyd becomes a a palatable option because of the the way that this market is, as of right now anyway, it, it appears to be falling. Yes, yes it does. So yes, it uh, does. I will I will say that. Um Joe Plaza, uh whether they are in contention or not at the near trade deadline, do you see the Phillies going out and acquiring a starting pitcher with control beyond the season? And you know, maybe that's where you go back and you look at a Boyd and they say, We want a lefty starter, we believe in him, we've scouted him and we feel really good about him. And we know that we're gonna have him under control for a couple more years, so we're comfortable with this move. I mean, maybe you do it because of that. I, I don't know. And another name that, that hasn't really been kicked around too much, but he, he's a, a kind of lefty on a team that has no shot of reaching the postseason this year would be a guy like Danny Duffy. Yeah, um, Kansas City. And, and he's, been, he's been okay this season. He's 3-4 and four with a 4-4-3 ERA. Um, not, a, not a top one or two guy in your rotation, but again – I think you could slot him in, and he's probably a little bit better than the the fours and fives the Phillies currently have. He's certainly better than Vince Velasquez. I, I would say that he's under he's under contract through twenty twenty one. He makes fifteen million uh, or fifteen point two five million in each of the uh, twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one seasons. So he would be under control for an additional two years beyond this one. Maybe he's a player that you look at. Uh, I don't know how much Kansas City really plans to compete in the next two seasons. Combine that with the fact that they could shave the salary, there might be some motivation there on their part to to part ways with him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I've liked Danny Duffy. I always have. I mean, I, I know his last season was not great, and I believe he was hurt at the start of this season too, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, so I, he he missed a handful of starts at the beginning of the year. Um, yeah, but I think he's a guy that could that could play well. Uh, as a as a number four starter on this you know in this uh, rotation, do you do you value the the balance of of a left hander in the I, rotation? Well, the Phillies don't, but I certainly do. <laughs> yeah. I, I absolutely, especially for a playoff team, and I'll tell you why. You force the, your opponent to really reconsider a lineup that maybe has been successful for them 
moving into the playoffs and say, okay, now we're going to throw a lefty at you. Now you're going to keep that same lineup or are you going to make a, cha- make a change? And once you make that change, does that throw off the comfort level of the hitters? You know, it really – it's it just just having an, uh, an opposite-handed starter coming up uh, in a playoff series can mess with the mentality of a team. And, and that, to me, I think that that's – when you're always looking for teams are always looking for little advantages in the margins, right? And I think that sometimes that's an overlooked advantage in the margins because it's something that's not really measured, but it's something that can really have. It's the human element of the game. Um, do you force your the other manager to second guess himself? Do you force a lineup change that maybe shouldn't happen? Do you does it affect a player because he got moved down in the lineup and now all of a sudden, why did I get moved down? Am I not doing what they want me to do? You know, just little things like that. That over the course of a season can be corrected and fixed, but in the vacuum of a seven-game series could get magnified. I really think that that balance of having multiple pitchers of opposite hands is valuable. And the Phillies, to this point, and granted they haven't been a playoff team yet, but to this point the Matt Clintac era has not valued a left-handed starting pitcher. But I really do think that it's something that if you're going to be a playoff team, you really should try to have. Yeah, I think that's a... Spot on assessment. So, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, maybe maybe they go that route. Maybe that's where and we'll see. I think that if Danny Duffy becomes available, that'd be somebody I would look at. But I do think that it's someone that that other teams are going to look at as well. So, yeah. Um, one name that's really interesting, and he would not apply to this because I I believe he he is a free agent at the end of the season. Uh, is Zach Wheeler, who I don't think that the Mets will retain. So, uh, and I, I don't think the Mets are also a, a playoff team. I think that's pretty evident at this point. I would expect them to, to part ways with Wheeler at the end of the season. Uh, I, I, therefore, I would expect him to be moved before the July 31st trade deadline. He, against the Phillies last week, was outstanding. Just a huge arm. He has all the talent in the world. You see him nipping 98 on the gun. And you go, like, man, like, he should be better he should be substantially better than he's been for them. And obviously he's dealt with significant injury issues throughout the course of his career, which has derailed him somewhat. He just can never quite seem to get going fully, but his stuff is so much better than his production, and I would be shocked if a team didn't take a a stab at him for for two big months down the stretch. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think it's going to be the Phillies because I just don't see the Mets and Phillies doing business yeah, in a meaningful no. way at this yeah. point. I mean, I know it, they've it, done deals in the past, but it, yeah, it happens every once in a blue moon. But I, I, I think don't. I remember a, a big time Turk Wendell, uh, <laughs> yeah. Dennis Cook combo trade at yeah. one point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Those I mean, a little shark tooth necklace. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I don't think I don't think that you're going to see that happen. Yeah. I don't think it's going to. You know, but he's a like, he's an intriguing like man. Yeah. I like Zach Wheeler. Uh, this is a good one. Uh, Jason and uh, Jason Swig, 15, I believe. So, uh, will the inability to beat the Marlins hurt us in September and October, considering we can seemingly beat everyone else in the division? Yes. <laughs> yes, I would, I would totally say that. Um, you can't go 1-5 against the Marlins. And when the Phillies fall short, and if they fall short, I'm sure that we are going to look at what they've done in these two recent series against Miami. It's unacceptable. Yeah. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you know, to the Marlins' credit, they've been playing pretty good baseball of late. Um, yeah. But that said, you you cannot cannot lose to uh, the Marlins the way that they lose to them too. I mean, blowing a six to one lead <laughs> on Saturday was uh, it was it was fascinating to me how how that just all went down. I was like, oh my. We were. I'm going to tell you. We were. So I was with my uh, softball team. We were at the uh, state tournament, and we rented a uh, chalet uh, up in the Pocono Mountain area. Um, and so Saturday night, we're sitting back at the chalet, throwing back a few beers, you know, uh, and watching the Phillies. And to to a man, we are predicting exactly what's going to happen, <laughs> and it was uncanny. Like we saw everything coming. And it was just, it's like, this is, this is, and that's, it's, you know, that's a microcosm of why I still am not, you know, 100% back on, well, I'm far from 100% back on board, but why I still think that this team still needs to show me a lot more 
before I can sit there and say, oh yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be right there at the end. Yeah, because it it was too predict. They were too predictable. I will tell you, I I got married uh, on on Friday night, and so uh, we did like a one day getaway thing. We didn't want to come back to South Jersey right away, so we went down to Annapolis. And I was enjoying myself, and, and I didn't watch the game Saturday, and thank God I didn't. But I had the alerts on my phone, and I went, okay, 6-1. I feel pretty good about this. And then it's like 6-3, 6-4, 6-6. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? So I didn't okay. fully get to, to really let that loss and the magnitude and ridiculousness of that loss sink in. I didn't get a chance to see it. But, yeah, I mean, to answer the question, the, the Marlins are 1-8 against the Braves this season. They're three and five against the Mets. They're three and seven against the Nationals, but they're seven and six against the Phillies. I mean, if they if the Phillies lose this division by four games or less, I think that that will be one thing that will certainly haunt them. And like you said, to the Marlins' credit, they've been better lately. They were thirteen and fourteen in the month of June, and they actually had a plus six run differential. So they played decent baseball last month. But yeah, I mean, the Phillies you can't you can't lose games like that to that team. No, not if you want to win the division. Not if you want to be in the playoffs. You can't. Yeah, they, those are the teams you have to you have to win handily against. Like if you can play close to five hundred against the good teams, and you know play you know six fifty baseball against the bad teams, you're a playoff team. Yeah. And yeah. So you got so to be under five hundred against the Marlins is unacceptable. Yeah. So uh, Steve Appleman says, uh, who might be an under-the-radar pitcher? Uh, I think we, we did get that, but thank you for the question, Steve. Uh, Section 247 podcast, same thing. Uh, and then here you go, Anthony Maziotti. How happy are you to not have to hear the we should have signed Keuchel takes, even though he went seven and allowed two, the Phillies really let him off the hook tonight, in my opinion. I agree, Anthony, and I am very yep. very glad not to hear it, and I do think the Phillies let him off the hook. I was, like I said at the top of the show, not all that impressed with him. No. Uh, and then we have uh, Nick from Doylestown. Been spending a lot of time in Doylestown, by the way. And uh, let me tell you, from South Jersey, that's not a great ride. Um, he says, what was your wedding playlist? I will, uh, Nick, thanks for the question. I will forward you my, my DJ's Twitter handle, and you guys can discuss that. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was pretty. What was, okay, maybe not the playlist, <laughs> but here's, this is the one I'm curious uh-huh. about. What did you guys dance to, your first dance? Uh, we did, uh, like, have you ever heard the song Somewhere Only We Know by uh, Keen? Yes. familiar with that one? We yes. did a a cover of that by a girl named uh, Renee Dominique. So it was like a slowed down version of it. Okay. Uh, it was a nice song. We, we liked it. And uh, I will tell you this. Uh, I was dead against Dancing Queen by ABBA. I hate it. The song makes me cringe. My family, my aunts, like I have a mom and she has four sisters and they just they go crazy when Dancing Queen comes on. So I, I backed off my stance. I let them have Dancing Queen, which uh, it's just a terrible song. And so uh, I was so also – oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say this. I, you know, my theater that I'm the president at, you know, we're doing Mamma Mia in oh September. <laughs> I, I know exactly who I'm inviting to come see the show. Oh, God. Yeah, no, I'm out, dude. <laughs> Not you. I don't care if uh, you yeah. show up. <laughs> but your mom yeah, and your yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. The show, they'll go, yeah. 100%. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. I'm I'm just not a big ABBA guy. The Dancing Queen just specifically really, really bothers me. Um, and, and I also limited it. Uh, and my my wife was on. Oh man, it sounds weird saying that. I haven't I haven't said my wife too much. Yeah, get uh, used to it. Yeah, she was she was pretty against uh, line dancing. So we let them have the electric slide, but then we we cut it off after that. So you get one <laughs> line dance, and so it was the electric slide. And we did you know all the shouts and all that other shit you know the motown section of the block of motown songs that you can That's dance good. to and yeah that yeah, was good it was fun good yeah it was good, good, stuff. Was good night yeah. Glad it was a good night so that's uh that's all we got on the questions front good yeah, so uh, I don't know. You got anything else, or can we wrap this bad boy no, up? We get can some wrap sleep, it up. dude. You know if we f- get if we get out of here in the next three minutes, we'll be done before midnight. <laughs> amazing, amazing. You know, we don't have a a, a new five star review, but we uh, want to remind everyone that if you leave us a five star review, um, then we will read it on the show. We'll give you a shout out and read it here on the program. So. Uh, find us on iTunes um, and or I'm sorry that doesn't exist anymore Apple Podcasts yeah Apple Podcasts uh, yeah. <laughs> Podcast, uh, and leave us a five star review we will read it on the program um, so I have a feeling we'll we'll get one for next week I have a, just a, a hunch we'll get one for next very week very good yeah 
And don't forget, you know, to go out and get the, uh, your um, from Amerigas. Get the cinch. Yeah, get your uh, cinch. Uh, we're on Spotify now. We're we're everywhere. If you can listen to a podcast on a mobile device, yeah. you can listen to anything we're on, across we are on network. We are on iHeartRadio. That's the newest one. Yeah, iHeartRadio, right? Yeah. yeah we, so we are everywhere. There's no yep. excuse not to be listening to this show at this point. Absolutely. Tell um, your friends. Make sure that you uh, check out Snow the Goalie uh, with uh, Anthony and Ross. Make sure that you check out It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia. You got a quick plug there on your show? And we're recording tomorrow. There you go. Perfect. Uh, what do we have? Uh, crossing, uh, what do we ha- what's the FC? We got an crossing FC Crossing Broad one, FC. Right? Crossing Broad FC, yeah. yeah. Big World Cup game today. Oh, yeah. Go Morgan, U.S. Sipping tea. Alex Morgan sipping tea. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, I've got anything so, on that. I so want them to lose. Do you really? I, I so uh, you're do. like You're the, uh, they're arrogant, so you want to see them go oh, down. my God, I want them to lose. I've never rooted against an American it's team. Not very patriotic. I've never rooted. Well, Some people are, are turning off the show now because you're un-American. <laughs> I've never rooted against an American uh, team. We'll, and, and we'll see what happens. You got a chance to root against them in the final on Sunday against what is it, Sweden and uh, down to Sweden in the Netherlands or something yeah, like that. One yeah. of those. One of those yeah. two teams. Maybe you know, me, Dutch. big soccer guy. Yeah. So yeah, make sure that you check that out. There's broad lines as well. That is coming, I believe, next week uh, officially. We've been talking about it now for like four months, but uh, be on the lookout for that as well. Awesome. All right, uh, and uh, I guess we'll we'll do this again. What next uh, Monday? Is that what we're looking at? Well, yeah, before the, the All Star game, we got the All Star yeah. break next week. We'll we'll get something in and uh, do like the the first half of the season review and break down everything that happened in the rest of this Atlanta series and uh, the uh, Mets series to close out the first half. Awesome. All right, till next time, everybody. That is Anthony Sanfilippo. I'm Bob Wankel. We'll catch you soon.